Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we want to consider once again the words of the gospel lesson that you heard earlier. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The crowds that followed Jesus and the crowds that came out to greet him from Jerusalem were excited to see their king. I imagine that you caught that as you listened to the gospel read a little bit earlier. And this was not just any king. This was the king who had been performing miraculous signs, like raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had been serving on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and now was on his journey going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. As he came closer, about 15 miles away from the holy city, he passed through Jericho, where he healed a blind man named Bartimaeus. He came closer, much closer, to the little village of Nazareth, excuse me, the, the village of Bethany, the place where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And when the people heard of it, the excitement swelled. Now, it was the day after the Sabbath when Jesus <clears throat> left Bethlehem. He has just one short leg of his journey yet to travel. Down that road leading from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. It was about the same distance you would travel if you drove in your car from Bethany Lutheran College down that main street hill to this church. As Jesus traveled on, the crowds around him welcomed him. They welcomed him with their hosannas. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Before him they laid down their cloaks and the road before him and, and the branches they had cut from the palm trees. They hailed him as their king. They paved the way for their king. But not just any king. Did you notice there the, the detail in that scene? Did you notice that Jesus came, the king, riding on the colt of a donkey? Yes, along the way he had paused long enough to send a couple of his disciples into the neighboring village of Beth Bethphage and to, uh, to find that donkey and the colt that he needed. And he rolled on that, rode on that colt. So our, our Savior King did not enter Jerusalem perched in an iron chariot uh, or in the saddle of a war horse like monarchs of that day might do. He certainly didn't come riding in a sleek limousine or land in a jet as powerful world rulers would today. No, he came humbly. He rode a beast of burden, an animal that was bred to serve. <laughs> Zechariah the prophet had foretold that, that the king would come riding on a colt, gentle, that is, humble. And the word gentle there, the, the original Hebrew word could also have been translated poor or afflicted. When that Palm Sunday parade was over, and, and Jesus later on 
went out of the city for the evening. He had not been seated on a jewel-studded throne. No one had handed him a golden scepter. Um, he was not given the kind of uh, praise that, that earthly kings would have been given. He didn't throw the Roman soldiers out of the Antonia Fortress, their barracks, by the temple. No, he came humble. And his journey, in fact, wasn't quite over yet. Because as we just sang in our hymn of the day, he rode on. He rode on to his arrest, his trial, the mockery, the scourging, the crown of thorns, and all the way to the cross where he would die. He died on that cross, suffering the very wrath of God. We are familiar with that kind of language, with speaking that way, that Jesus suffered the anger of God. But I don't think that we're entirely comfortable with it because we know that it was for our sins that he died. And yet that is what it took to save us, a king who would be that humble. We enjoy seeing Jesus in his power, untouchable by any earthly enemy, any enemy at all. We want to see Jesus destroying his foes, extending his strength to, to rule over all of creation. But friends, we need to see that Jesus came humbly, even oppressed and afflicted to the point of death. Only such a humble king could save us from our sin. Because we've exalted ourselves and deserve to be brought low, our Lord Jesus lowered himself and deserves our highest praise. Think for a moment of that word humble. When that word is used to describe our Savior Jesus, it, it doesn't simply mean he was friendly or polite or nice or empathetic or something like that. Rather, it means that he was willing, and he did, set aside the full use of his power and glory to sacrifice himself. You see, Jesus didn't concern himself with himself, but rather with us, poor, dying sinners. Our sin is a rather ugly thing. We could call it rebellion, call it breaking God's commands, call it uh, wandering our own way away from him, whatever terms you want to use. Part of it always is hubris, sinful human pride. In Greek mythology, there's an ancient legend, uh, a poignant and interesting story about a young man by the name of Narcissus. Maybe you've heard it. His mother was told when he was little that he would have a long life provided that he never saw his own reflection. But he did. One day out in the woods, in a pool of water, saw his reflection, and Narcissus fell in love with it. He stared at it, mesmerized by it, stopped eating and drinking until he wasted away and died. There's a word that comes down to us in our English language from that legend. It's the word Narcissism, which means being centered on oneself. 
Our God hates the sin of pride. That sinful pride which wants to enshrine its own will, its own ways, its own desires itself, even if it means God taking a back seat. We know it's wrong. We also know it's on our record. So what can we do? The thought of standing before a holy, heavenly judge, clothed in the rags of our guilt for this sin is a rather frightening one. The thought of suffering, the horrible punishment, eternal death that we deserve for that sin, it's terrifying. What can we do? What we need to do is turn away from ourselves to Christ. Look to Jesus with a repentant heart. Look to Jesus and then rejoice because he is the king who comes to save. And you know, that's exactly what the prophet Zechariah told his people to do. He told them. It's recorded in your Bible, his, his book. Just a couple of books in your Bible before Matthew. He wrote these words, Rejoice greatly. See, your king comes to you, gentle. And so he came gently, humbly, and the crowds did rejoice when he did. They welcomed him with their hosannas. That word is an exclamation of praise for the one who saves. And they continued, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because they knew he came to bring great blessings. It's true that the people in that crowd may not have fully grasped the true nature of Jesus' kingdom, but the words that they proclaimed about Jesus were true, and they point us toward Jesus. So we also look to Jesus, our Savior. We also look with joy to see him coming. What blessings does Jesus bring to us? Healthy bodies? and the prescription medicines we need to preserve them, a nice home to live in with all the necessary appliances, good friends, some warmer spring weather coming that will melt that snow and ice out there, a productive day or week at work, the chance to save up enough money to take a little vacation now and then, Every good blessing comes down from the hand of the Lord. We can pray for all of these things in accordance with the will of God. But these things are not the greatest blessings. They're good, but they're not the greatest blessings and not the blessings that sinners need so that they do not despair eternally. Let's think back to the prophet Zechariah once again. Zechariah, in his prophecy, actually unwrapped the greater, the greatest gifts that our king came to give to us. We heard them in the first lesson. Our king came humbly to bring the gift of peace. Not the peace of a comfortable earthly life, but the peace of being restored to a right relationship with our holy heavenly father. This was a peace that he procured because he allowed the sin of our sin to be poured out on him. The, the wrath of God due to our sin to be laid upon him. And he 
brings that word of peace to us and the word forgiven. That king came humbly to bring freedom for prisoners, freedom purchased by his blood. As citizens of the United States of America, you and I enjoy many civic freedoms bought and preserved by the blood of citizen soldiers. But the greatest freedom, freedom from the dominion of the devil, from eternal death and hell, that can come only because our humble king was willing to shed his blood and die. And that king came humbly so that we might cling to the promise of life forever in the heavenly Jerusalem. A promise that is powerful because Jesus laid down his life and took it up again on the third day. Our king deserves our highest praise because he lowered himself to save us. Jesus' glory was hidden in the cross where he suffered. It was hidden there because only a humble king could save. Only such a humble king would save. And dear friends, our King Jesus, who now is risen, and we will celebrate that victory in one week, our King Jesus still comes to us. He comes to you and me to bring to us the glorious fruits of his redeeming work. In the sprinkling of water with the word of God, in holy baptism, he made you his own, brought you into his kingdom. Our king comes in the bread and wine of his holy supper, the body and blood of Jesus that we are able to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. Our king comes to us in the words of absolution, words that are carried to us by the mouth of his minister, but words that are, have their origin in the words and the work of our Savior. These are, we might say, simple, humble means. So simple and humble that our proud world barely pays any attention, barely takes notice of them. But through these means of grace, the mercy of our Lord is showered upon us. Our faith increased, our joy revived, our hope strengthened, so that we can give him our highest praise. How do we do that? How do we praise a king who came so humbly? Here we, we receive some help from the Apostle Paul. Uh, he instructs us in the words that we heard in our second lesson today about how we might praise him. He speaks of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul encourages you and me here in these words. He encourages you and me to be counter to the culture of this world, to be what only that humble king could move us to be, clothed in his humility. We want to be clothed in that humility when we gather here together as his church. 
when we come week by week or day by day and, and offer him our hymns and prayers and praise, our gifts, as, as, we, as we bring our time and talents to serve him, as we work together on the work of his kingdom. That humility, that humility bears with the weakness of the weak. It welcomes the newcomer, it honors the veteran member, all to serve the best interests of others. We want to be clothed in Christ's humility as we carry out our various vocations in life. That might be as a mother or father who surrenders me time to care for a child. That might be as an employee who goes out to work on Monday morning and through the week to serve the Lord, working faithfully, even if no one else is looking. That may be as the neighbor who doesn't have to be asked twice to go and help out with the need of a, another neighbor. Or a Christian citizen who uh, exercises his free speech, expresses his opinion, but always with love, not with hatred or slander. We want to be clothed in humility as we bear witness to the name of Jesus in this world. Even, even when that witness results in scorn or ridicule. That humility is willing to bear, to bear our crosses for Christ in the hopes of having the chance to point others to the cross and to the one who died there. Now this sort of a life isn't something that our world is going to cheer or hang awards around. It isn't particularly flashy or... or uh, uh, popular. It's not going to get your face before thousands on Facebook or Instagram. No, our, our aim is a life lived to the glory of God the Father and the Son whom he sent to save. Today we've had the opportunity to join together in spirit with those crowds who welcomed Jesus on that first Palm Sunday. And what did we see? We see a king who came humbly to go to the cross. This holy week, we will walk on, walk on in spirit from the palm-strewed streets of Jerusalem on to the cross. And what will we see? We will see a king who did humble himself to die there. And then as we walk on to the empty tomb, we will see the proof that our Heavenly Father accepted His Son's humble work to redeem us. And in that confidence, you and I, we can follow on in this troubled world. Follow on until that day when we reign with Him in glory and exalt Him with the angels. Always, He deserves our highest praise. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that passes understanding guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ. Amen.